Warning, this podcast has been rated T because it's terrible. This is two friends talking, often forgetting the recording, going into diatribes about very sensitive topics, including, but not limited to, violence, including sexual and self-harm, drug use, and almost anything else, all handled in a way that if my mother-in-law were to hear it, I'd be embarrassed, but not ashamed. Join my cold. Hello and welcome to Join My Cult. I'm your host, Redstone Archender, and uh, you're about to hear the second of 12 conversations I had with a, with a friend of mine, Rom. Um, this took place in uh, late July of 2019. So if you're hearing this, you're not, it's, it's not flashbacks. It's not, it's not a weird dream. Uh, it's just, we are talking about uh, a slightly different time. Uh, before the before four times before the COVID. So things are a little different. Focus is a little different. Um, but yeah, uh, with that, I'm just gonna get us started because it's nearly an hour conversation. Uh, it, it is a fun ride, but you know, I'll let it go. Thanks. Thanks for listening. All right, let's get this thing rolling. And we're live. Welcome back to an episode of Join My Cult with your hosts, Redstone and my guest, Rom. You're going to be the perpetual guest. I can still be your guest. That's fine. You know, as long as you still keep giving me all these house rights and everything, like, sounds good to me. I really don't like the policy where you keep getting to sleep with my wife, though. Like, that, if you could just knock that policy off, that'd be fantastic. You say that as if there would be any chance of that in any universe. <laughs> I I always remember that there's like that the the, the first night N I G H T policy mm-hmm. that was practiced, but like I know it's got some arcane name to it as well, and I always forget what it is. And the first thing that comes to my mind is is that one crystal knot? But I'm like, no, that's definitely not that one. <laughs> So, yeah, I realized I was pretty hungry as this uh, recording was starting. Uh, so I grabbed a beer and uh, yeah, that's that's going to help me get through this. I mean, a lot of things are going to get help me get through this. Years of therapy <laughs> and uh, Would you like to go grab a snack? We, we have time. No, it's not like red. I, I, I'm good. Let's let's get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> Always what I love to hear. What, wait, what do, we, what do we do on this podcast, Join My Cult? Uh, I'm going to try to convince you to uh, help me you, you, start. You read. I, I Redstone, am uh, trying to convince you, Rom, that with all of the ills of the world, that I have a plan to enact that will make the world a better place, and you should come join me on this quest. And you've chosen to convince me, a person who has such deep-seated anti-authority complexes that go back possibly back to before my daddy issues started uh as the first target for this which is noteworthy well yes but you are also uh one of my closest friends and i think politically we're very close i mean i'm way you're one of my more or less 
leftist friends, or at least were. I think being out in the world for a while has been money, buying a house, things like that are pushing you slightly more. <laughs> what happened to that sentence? You know, being out in the world and money, <laughs> buying house. Like, you just, like, went from, like, articulate gentleman to, like, me grog, me explain APR. <laughs> ran out, ran out of mana. Ran out of mana. Right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, dude, you didn't have all three of the Urza's things. You just had, like, the tower and, like, the moat or whatever. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, that's only three. Mm, that's not enough. <laughs> ran, ran out in the middle of this combo. Fuck. Have you, okay, so, so we were talking about magic earlier. Yeah. Did you... This happened to me a lot. I'd be in the middle of a combo and then realize, oh, I've wasted my turn because I just fucked up. <laughs> like, I didn't plan it out well enough and just be like, oh, fuck. No, I don't. Yeah, sorry. I, I never I never did too much combo stuff in magic. Um, I was more a fan of just, like, establish a big board and then just completely wipe out anything that your opponent could possibly do. Like, combo implies, like, it's your turn, you do something, game over. My preferred strategy in Magic the Gathering was to play something, completely remove any possibility that my opponent could win, and then pass the turn to them. Like, it wasn't like the game was done at the end of my turn. It was like, no, 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 no. Your opportunity to win this game dies <laughs> now, but I'm going to give you the command of the next couple of seconds to make you feel some sense of power. It was so much more satisfying to me to crush somebody but have them struggle. Like, like I, I so understand that bad guy concept of like, yes, Mr. Bond, I'll have this laser slowly start up at your feet and move up towards your genitalia rather than put a bullet in your brain. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's going to be so much sweeter when that thing sizzles on his testes. Like, you are going to love that moment. But would you be the guy who then walks away in the middle of it? Or before it even gets there, you're just like, oh, well, I'm so assured of your death that I'm going to... Goodbye! I'd like to think that, like, villains realize kind of in that moment the graphic nature of the violence that they are about to <laughs> unleash on somebody, and they just get, like, a little, like, like queasy, like, ooh, am I really about to chop this man in half? Like, <laughs> it, it just, like, summons in them some compound between, like, moral questioning and then just, like, physical illness that they, like, have to leave the room. In which case, that, yes, that would be me. I probably would not be able to stand that sight. You've seen uh, Kingsman, right? The first one, at least. I, I have not seen the Kingsmans. The first one's one of uh, Samuel Jackson's more interesting acting performances. Mm -hmm. He goes for a kind of a different thing. He he's a villain that hates the sight of blood, though. Is possibly going to wretch by just the mentioning of it too much. But mm -hmm. he's going to murder a ton of people. So it's the, the dichotomy of that's pretty fun. Like, they're just having fun with it. Cool. That's a strong recommendation for the Kingsman. Is that what we do on this podcast? We recommend the Kingsman to each other? We're going to probably end up editing more of this out. Oh, okay. So, that was all gold, baby. So I sent you a list of the topics I was hoping to cover tonight, today, whatever it is. Oh, um, yeah. And you actually replied, you replied back, meditation is weightlifting. Do you already meditate? Are you a meditator? Hold on, hold on. Our, our viewers slash listeners have no idea that this list even exists or anything. So let's, let's, so Red sends me a list a couple of days ago. Here's the list of topics for Sunday. And there are eight topics here. <laughs> and it is maybe my favorite list of all time that I've ever seen anywhere. Bullet point number, uh, you know, number one is just meditation. Just like one word. Like, got it. How hard can that be? We can cover that in an hour. No problem. Topic number two, <laughs> a big difference between the right and the left we need to recognize. 
which like sounds like a BuzzFeed article, and then it like links to something that is basically a BuzzFeed synopsis yep. of a sociology paper that I like read the four articles of, and I was like, okay, this person does not know anything. Maybe the article is good, but the person writing this oh, was no. like, science! And then like the list goes on. Um, <laughs> the, the third item, starting a religion, then has sub four sub-bullet points to it that are all like heavy philosophy stuff, and I was like, oh my god. My favorite is bullet point no is number five, which is I lost my keys. So I'm really hoping that at some point today we talk about you losing your keys. I mean, do you want we can jump? We can start it. No, no, no it cannot. This podcast cannot sustain itself on you losing your keys. I need to jump to that when I'm at some point in the podcast where I'm like, oh, my God, I've just heard you talk about Bernie Sanders for 15 minutes. Tell me where them keys at. So let's. Let's start with let's start with one of those top three for sure. Okay, I, I was very surprised. So I, I have a whole bunch of um, little notes of how to try to lead into meditation, assuming you, Rom, do not meditate. But then you replied to the list as meditation is weightlifting, and I went, "Well, I know this guy likes to work out." Seeing as we once did a, I love how no one understands what I'm about to say is we did a stint where we went for eight days on and then took a day off. Yeah. And everyone goes, there's not that many days in a week. <laughs> I'm like, you can keep, but yeah, you just keep going. You just keep track. You can keep count. I don't understand yeah. how, but every single time I tell anyone, they're like, what? how does that, what? And I lose a little more hope for humanity. Yeah, I mean, uh, so when we were uh, in college together, we did some uh, some weightlifting together, and I've always, I, I've never been like, a, like, I'm not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I really like working out, like being in the gym or going for a run or something, like those experiences to me where you can kind of tune out, the, or the, you don't necessarily tune out the world, the world just kind of fades out, like if you are on a bench press and you're like trying to lift that thing up there's no way that your brain can also sustain thoughts about like anything else like your only thought is like i need to push up or this thing is going to smash my sternum in like it is it's so rewarding to be able to just get that clarity and i really struggle doing that i i i'm very bad at meditating i don't have the patience for it so something that forces me to do it is for lack of a better word, a, a godsend. So yeah, like that's when I first consciously discovered that I was meditating was weightlifting for sure. Damn. Yeah, I will say I can definitely understand that mindset having uh, redubbed skull crushers, soul crushers, <laughs> because I just like, please, no, this is gonna, I can't do this. I hate them. Yeah, and we did, we did eight days off and one day off because uh, uh, I thought it was really funny that God took six days uh, took a day off after six days and i was like we can we can do two better than god so that that's a little snapshot of me in my earlies and er, er, me in my early 20s everybody so super proud of that obviously but yeah what, what do you want to get into about meditation i'm, I'm betting it wasn't weightlifting like where, where do you want to guide us how does this relate to your cult i, I was gonna bring up the fact that it is a um self-betterment technique I was talking with this with um, somebody just the other day who thinks she's horrible at meditating. And then we talked about it a bit more and why she thought she was horrible at meditating was she'd sit down and her mind would just keep coming up with thoughts. And then I had to break it to her. No, see, that doesn't ever stop. Getting better at meditation doesn't mean the thoughts don't come. They sometimes take a break for 30 seconds or a minute. I mean, we're talking like those are the people that have been doing it for 10,000 hours. 
that's when that starts kicking in. It's brutal. I don't particularly enjoy meditating on the regular basis. I, I feel I have to. But it makes me a more clear person in general. It helps uh, emotional stability. I mean, I started doing it because, well, I was depressed. And, and uh, when I started seeking help, there was a lot of talk therapy, but then also cognitive behavioral therapy. And they start with meditation. They're like, if you aren't aware of what's going on in your mind, you can't do anything about it. Right. Meditation is just finding out how much is going on in your head all the time and recognizing that it happens. But a lot of people go, no, no, this is supposed to get quiet. It's like, dude, it doesn't get quiet for a long time. Yeah, I really like the way that you said, like, no, 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 the thoughts keep coming. <laughs> like, like I imagine that, like, the movie version of that, like, zooms in a little bit when you say that and you have, like, this thousand-yard stare of, like, I think we've all been in that place when just, like, you just want your thoughts to, like, no, no, please, please have mercy. <laughs> like I need, I need something right now. I used to really struggle with, uh, with that when I was a kid. I've told my wife this a few times that I remember uh, when I was a little kid, I used to keep having these thoughts when I was going to sleep at night and I would try and like not think, but I couldn't figure out how to do that. And I would literally start shaking because I was so worried about these thoughts that were in my head that I couldn't prevent from coming to me. And it would, I would like have like little mini seizure episodes in my bed trying to like get the thoughts to stop. And I was like, that, that was me. I was like eight or nine. I, and then I'd like eventually fall asleep. But yeah, I remember that happening so often. And I never told anybody because I was like, this is super weird. And I'm eight. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, that's that's it's interesting, like how aware you were of it happening. Wow, that just sounds rough, though, as a kid. I mean, like, I don't know. You're you're a kid. You freak yourself out. Like when, you, when you're a kid and you get into like a tantrum or something, how much of that is like you just working yourself up? I think I just like I wanted to go to bed, but my brain was just like, nope, like here's this other dumb thing that you did today. And like, here's this other embarrassing thing. And here's this other potential bad thing that could happen, which is something that my brain still yeah. does today. Thanks, brain. <laughs> yep, that was the beginning of it. It's like, oh, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> no, the mind the mind is a horrible fucking thing. It you you realize the more you end up meditating that your mind is constantly trying to betray you. I mean, I, that sounds really harsh, but there's we like to think of ourselves as rational beings, but our emotions are right. constantly just batting that around and and trying to change what we're doing from from something slightly long-term to the very immediate and it's just it's i know it's a scary realization the more you do it yeah um i i don't know uh it, it sounds like you had a very similar experience of being unable to oh, stop yeah. thinking at several instances where you wanted to stop i eventually kind of like turned that into something i could use when i was a teenager and i wasn't happy with kind of who i was I kind of took all those negative criticisms of myself and I was like, well, I'll just change all these and I'll become a fundamentally different person and see what happens as a result of that. And so I've done that twice in my life, actually, where I've just kind of like taken a really hard look at who I am, thrown out a whole bunch of crap based off of like what my brain is keeping me up about and then just like restarting uh, to some significant degree. And those have been like pretty helpful for me in terms of just like reorganizing, but they're also based on self-loathing. <laughs> like I hate myself right now, or I hate what I am right now. So I'm just going to amalgamate all those things that I hate and then either throw them out or fix them. And that is a philosophy that like helps sometimes, but then if like 
you know, you're in a relationship with a partner and you start like projecting that onto that. Like, I don't like how my partner sometimes leaves dishes in the sink. And then your my brain would just think like, get rid of the partner. <laughs> like, oh no, no, like, don't do that. Like <laughs> it's, you know, not everything is, is Tara bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think the first instance of meditation to get, to get back to the original topic that I actually experienced was um, when I used to go to church, I was raised Catholic and I remember when I was like a super little kid, I had this awesome book on the New and Old Testament that like was a big picture book with like bright colors, like, oh man, like the color palette on it must have been like, like there wasn't a dull color mm. in there. There was no grays or browns or it was just like, it was all so bright and beautiful. Like you just open it and be like, oh man, I want to live in this rainbow book, please. No browns, including the people. <laughs> yeah, like it could be like the, the tale of Sodom and Gomorrah <laughs> happening right here. And I'd be like, looks fantastic. I'll vacation there. I'm 12. And then I remember at some point, I was like physically in church and I was looking at the book and my mom, I think it was my mom leaned down and was like, you're done with the book now. And I was like, what, what? Like, like, cause on the left-hand side, it was like the long stories. And on the right-hand side, it was like big, colorful picture. And then like one sentence that would summarize <laughs> everything. Like Joseph saves his brothers from the lions. I'd be like, great, next page. Like, and if I wanted to, I could look at the pretty picture longer. Or I could read the story, but like, it was a great way for like a little kid to just like look at something and get what he wanted out of that. And I think if I would have held that book for another few years, I would still be religious to this day, <laughs> but it was taken away from me. <laughs> And I had to listen to some guy tell me about religion. And I was immediately like, this guy doesn't know <laughs> anything. I will tune him out. And it was this really cool mixture of like, someone was talking to me, but I didn't like them. And so I would zone them out and I would let my mind wander. And it found this really good clarity of direction. So like, I was in church. There's so many people around me, but like, for some reason, my thoughts stayed a very narrow lane so it wasn't quite meditation because i was thinking about something but it was like one track that i could just follow for a long time and it was very peaceful and soothing to me it was like you know people describe like having just the just the right amount of uh distraction in order to focus like that's that's what it was that was like my first instance of like i don't know if that's technically qualifies as meditation but it felt very close to me would you say you were in the zone like in some sense, like you, you know that feeling when you when everything's going well, like when you're or is this a different feeling than that? Um, I, I'm not a very spiritual person, but it always felt like somewhat somewhat different to me. Like okay. there was something about that atmosphere that I was like, this is unique to me. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, different than just like, you know, being on a bus and there's enough noise going on that you can just think like. Um, just like one voice droning at, like, I don't know, almost like a white noise machine, but it was Jesus. Like it was, it was very strange. A white Jesus machine. <laughs> Jesus is a white noise machine. That's pretty poetic. Yeah. I think that was my favorite no effects album. What are we talking about? <laughs> Why well, interesting though. So, um, so one of the things I did also want to bring it was uh, one of the reasons why I meditate is because it helps me reach that flow state. So I don't know. If, so you you know the feeling of being in the zone, though. We were talking about that. I, I think so. So it um, and almost actually I, I I'm like halfway through it. She's 
almost done with this book, uh, Flow, the uh, psychology of the optimal experience. Optimal experience being in quotes. Do you want to take that again, but give her a different name? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right. So my wife and I are both in the middle of reading this book called Flow, the psychology of the quote-unquote optimal experience. And it, it's weird because um, it, as we've been reading it, it has sounded incredibly familiar because uh, the idea is you create conditions of happiness where you enjoy the thing that you're doing and there's um, the criteria of what makes it gets you into the flow state depends on the person because it's what you enjoy, but it's not mm. just that you enjoy it. It's also that you're somewhat, you feel that you're competent in it. Um, there's a number of different things that come together, uh, but one of the main things that uh, meditation can do is lower that barrier to get into that flow state. And, and it's, it's a, it's like a hyper focus. Um, and this we're like, yeah, when you meditate, when you just sit and you keep trying to, I'm focusing on just feeling the air going in my nose and out of my nose. Doing that for an hour is practicing hyper-focus when you need it. And it's a thing that cool. you can like turn on. Um, I mean, you, you don't have com complete control because we never have complete control over our minds. But it's definitely uh, very beneficial. It, it's been, it's just weird to read like the psychology book and they're like, yeah, this this state, this is how you get into it. This is how people actively get better at it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's another reason why it's part of cognitive behavioral therapy is, is helping um, the focus and to redirect your mind from processes that are negative uh, to ones that are you self-directed thoughts. So Yeah, I, I think all that is crazy interesting and crazy cool. Like, I – so we're – I mean, we're both trained – scientists and i think that just the the span of science that's out there whether it's like behavioral science or science about how the brain thinks or um uh, interaction between societies like like you can just stumble across literature that's just like oh we know these things but nobody knows about them how how crazy is that? Yeah. I mean, I was reading, I stumbled upon the topic of neurotheology. All right. Yeah. Right. And the, the name. So is that when Krang invents a religion or <laughs> no, no, um, this it's, it's the neurological effects of what theology does to the brain and like the things that, are considered considered like a spiritual experience and they've mm. i mean they're basically like yeah your brain is making these things happen or so what's going on in the brain how is this working what does this idea of religion do to the brain i didn't realize there's a whole field of science devoted to just that question and we've learned a ton about how um like the spiritual experience works. Uh, actually, I got yeah. a question for you. So do you, are you familiar with the idea of a spiritual experience, a peak experience also? Uh, I, I've had one described to me and I was going to relay the story. Um, I, I was once a fire breathing atheist, just like, like there would be no, nothing spared. Like it all had to come down. 
And in kind of my heyday of this, I had an interaction with an individual um, where they described to me that they'd been an alcoholic and it was kind of destroying their home life and their family. Um, And they were supposed to be looking out for their daughter one time and uh, they got drunk instead. And uh, his wife came home and basically said, you know, if you don't sober up, I'm leaving you and I'm taking the daughter with me. And very soon thereafter, he experienced this moment where Jesus came to him. Like he physically saw Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and he realized that he needed to stop drinking. And And then he'd been sober for something like 17 years or something. And he told me this story and I couldn't help but think like, no, dude, it was your wife that said, I'm going to leave you and take your daughter away. Like that's what kind of prompted the spiritual moment. But even in my height of dickish, burn it all down religiosity, I was like, this man had an experience that has made him a better person. The fact that it may not be 100% factually accurate doesn't mean I could take a dump all over it just because that is the quote-unquote right thing to do. And I, I remember I just was like, that's a really nice story. I'm glad you're, you, you feel like you're better now or a better person or, or, or something. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I think that's kind of what you were describing, like uh, you know, someone describing to me a spiritual instance that they had. And me, even in my height, again, peak dickishness, realizing like, oh, if you did a good thing with that, then that's good. Yeah, what that is a very classic example of a spiritual experience. They also call it a religious experience or a peak experience. Um, and the effects... Uh, so there's a whole book about the di- the different... It's literally called The Varieties of the Religious Experience. Um, it's actually in that bibliography thing that, that if you ever want to check it out, but it's really dry... It's literally an I, academic. I do love homework. <laughs> uh, if you want, if you want to read a book, start reading *The Dispossessed* by Ursula K. Le Guin. Uh, it, one, it's a it's a fun sci-fi novel, and two, it's got a great. Um, the world that it's set in is politically what I would propose to be what we do. So it's like ex- example. You know, here here's a working example, although it's fiction. I would rather hear your ramblings of it, I think, because that's going to be much more fun to me to make fun of. Well, well, the good thing, well, for good or for ill, I've been practicing this with my coworkers at the shelter. So, like, because we get into this kind of stuff all the time. Oh, okay. You've been cheating on me. I understand. You know you're not allowed to talk smart with anybody else, Red. (laughs) Um. Where was okay, so so yeah, the the spiritual experience. Oh. Um, I I I don't think I have had any. I I I purport myself to be a non-spiritual person. I realize the power that it can have for people and how truly meaningful it can be. I do not feel it. I I kind of wish I did sometimes, and I think that largely is why I still partake in uh, uh, drugs and alcohol because sometimes the overwhelming nothingness that i believe in uh gets to me but uh the, the 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 idea of something spiritually out there i i i don't see it so no i i i don't know if i've ever had a spiritual experience dude okay so yeah it uh, you would 
to be honest, um, as an adult, if you would have uh, this experience, you would know it. Mainly, it's it's the it's that time when you experience the ineffable, something so great. And and so what happens is <laughs> I, I had a few girlfriends like that. Ineffable. <laughs> uh, clearly not the one nicknamed C minus though. Uh, I am not proud of this moment, <laughs> but I'm glad it's being broadcast. Oh, it's for getting everyone. cut out. No, it's uh, I'm not gonna out you there. We're, we're not going to no, discuss no, what that means or anything. That'd be horrible. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the fact that I nicknamed someone <laughs> a letter grade and that it was C minus is pretty clearly indicative of the type of person that I was at some point previous in my, previously in my life, which it's fine. It was out there. It happened. Great. I mean, that was one of the, at some point, then tear it all down, right? Uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I realized it was a bad thing to do even at that time, but I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I assigned somebody a letter grade and it was, like, not not terrible, but also not great either? And I still hold to this day, it is a very funny joke, but it does make me a very bad person a little bit. But it was... But the, but the part about it that's somewhat redeeming was you couldn't... You summed up an entire relationship... In an instant. I mean, like, I didn't have yeah. to say no more, man. I, I, I'm, I'm on the same page. I unfortunately understand. Oh. And, and what is communicate? What is language except the, the, the meaning to try to, to convey a message? And you did it. You did it with a letter and a symbol. Yeah, I'm sure you and Robert Frost really <laughs> appreciated it. But the fact that I assigned a human being a letter grade is like, oh boy, I'm probably not going to be invited back to Amnesty International's international conference. Uh, so okay, here, I'm going to start calling Trump just F because that's that is <laughs> he's an F minus. Careful, if you just call him F, uh, half the internet is going to think you're just trying to pay your respects to him. So you you got to got to look for a different letter for that. Oh shit. Oh. Yeah, especially with the minus, they'll just mean like OCE's, uh, it's been edited, so. Yeah, sure. yeah, QAnon is going to be like, that just means that it's, you know, there's a further me message to follow here. <laughs> so, uh, it's interesting, so, um, a lot of the stuff I've been reading, though, says that children actually often have these spiritual experiences, uh, hmm. but we're really prone to forget them as we get older and then we we're less likely to experience them. So it, it's likely you actually had them as a little kid and you just don't remember them. I mean, I'm, I remember seeing predator. That was pretty cool. Predator's a lot like a God, an evil, cruel God. <laughs> yeah, man. Old Testament predator <laughs> for sure. Like, he knew how to solve those issues of uh, religious divisiveness, you know? He definitely cut that one guy in half when he couldn't figure out who loved him more. So then so then Arnold Schwarzenegger is stronger than God. Or was it one uh, point? Yeah. In, 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 in the early to mid-80s, yeah, I would definitely <laughs> assert that, man. How many... How many franchises did he have like a stranglehold on in the mid '80s? So there's the Terminator series. Oh, yeah. uh, he headlined the Predator uh, uh, series. Uh, there's Running Man that was also in there. Total Recall is in like, like Kindergarten Cop. Okay, this is Twins. Well, we're, not when, 
we're now in mid '90s. Schwarzenegger Jr. <laughs> put that in there. Last Action Hero, which oh, was actually yeah. pretty fun. I no, enjoyed Last really Action well Hero done. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what was the one with Sinbad? Um, oh, sh- oh, where they had to get the action figure. Kringle, Kringle all the way. Jingle all the Jingle way. Jingle all the way. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was like a bad twist still. On the Chris Kringle? Yeah. I See, and I, I thought it was about a chip that comes in a tube can. It was Pringles all the way. <laughs> I actually saw that in the theater with my family. Wow. Yeah. We went on like Christmas Eve or something. It was like one of the starts of, fuck it. Why are we hanging out with family and stressing out? What if we went and just saw a movie <laughs> that we all like just enjoyed? And we we're like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> And then you chose Jingle all the way. Well, I mean, I was of some unable to vote on this shit age. And yeah, my brother yeah. was seven years younger. So it's like, yeah, it needs to be family friendly. I remember when um, uh, Toy Story came out, or maybe it was Toy Story 2. I can't remember which, but um, I went to the theaters with my friend's family and the dad wanted to uh, see it, but they were sold out. And he's like, we'll just buy tickets to another show and then sneak in. And I remember I was like 14 at the time. And I remember thinking like, that means that somebody else who bought the ticket can't get in. I'm like massively not okay with this. And literally everyone else in the family was like, yay! Like they were so happy to screw over other people to get what they wanted. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm not okay with this. And we like went like, but it was happening. Like again, I don't have a vote. And again, I'm like, I'm 14. I I hate myself. I have acne all over my face. I don't want to bring attention to myself. And then we end up going in. We're in the theater, and they end up like right as the movie's starting, like put the lights back up, and they're like, we need to check everybody's tickets because there's not enough seating in here. We got, we like we were forced to leave, and then we ended up having to watch the movie that we bought tickets for instead, (laughs) which was the. Uh, Owen Wilson, Eddie Murphy, buddy cop comedy, I Spy. Oh. And I remember I sitting in the theater thinking the entire time, this movie is not good. <laughs> and I do not like it. And I do not like that I am here because I tried to cheat other people out of a movie watching experience. And this is terrible. Life lessons. <laughs> I think that's my worst movie-going experience. Full stop. Uh, the, a close second is seeing Amour, which was just a very difficult movie for me to watch. But everything with the movie experience was fine. Damn. Sounds a little brutal. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's obviously related back to spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that is the hardest... Actually, boom, We can. I can do it. That actually is one of the biggest problems with trying to make an uh, ethical system that people can agree on is that fundamentally some people are like, in my gut, this is okay. So this is my moral system. And other people are like, in my gut, that sounds horrible. That's uh, owning people is not cool. And other people are, I don't understand what your problem is. By the way, put this thing around your neck because you're now going to go work in the field. <laughs> so we okay so i'll bring this I'll, <laughs> okay i'll bring this back to um uh kind of the c minus thing earlier so that way you can't edit it out so yeah i think the idea that i have knowingly made bad decisions in my life is very empowering like i made a decision that benefited me and hurt somebody else and i made that decision knowingly 
gives me the confidence of saying, okay, when I did that, when I knowingly committed an action that hurt another human being, did that cause pain, pleasure, enjoyment, <laughs> like guilt? And I think having a basis of like, oh, no, 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 I've, I've knowingly hurt people and I did not enjoy that experience is incredibly satisfying for me to know. I'm, you know, I'm glad that I have done those things because it lets me know I don't want to continue to do those things. I'm a better and more loving person now because I allowed myself to hurt people previously uh, and still to this day. Um, because I think that that, you know, that argument of morality is always going to be fluid. So sometimes you just push that bound and you're like, mm, pretty sure this is going to hurt somebody. And like, oh, yeah, it did. How did that feel? Ooh. And if you find that you're enjoying those too much, then I, I don't know. Go talk to somebody. I mean, it's the problem is they're they're the people on that side aren't going to be like, this is too much. They're like, this is great. This is I feel good doing it. So it must be correct. And that's just like, well, that's a problem. Um, lots of things feel good in the moment, and that doesn't mean they're right. I mean... Yeah, give me two examples. Uh, taking a shit on someone's lawn. <laughs> I was going to say Upper Decker, but then I felt like the... I... For those, for those who aren't aware, the fact that a red immediately went to something scatological in a joke that I prompted him for is in no way completely expected. No way surprising. Um. All right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there, you know, there are going to be those people that are just going to take advantage of a system, but like, they'll take advantage of any system. Ten percent. Like, yeah. Yeah, you want, I don't know what the number is, but like you, you know, presumably you want some system where like the majority of people would get punished for their bad actions, but like are allowed to commit some bad actions. So that way they can figure out like, am I enjoying this? Is this good? Is screwing another person over the only thing that makes me happy? <laughs> am I going to watch Toy Story 2 and not this other nice, perfectly like okay family that actually showed up on time to buy their tickets? <laughs> like, And then you guys funded Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson. That's also a sin right there. That's just, that's wrong. All right. That that might be edited out. That part's... Uh... <laughs> I, I just don't know what to add to that. No, like, I don't bad. want to dunk on either one of those guys. <laughs> I, Eddie Murphy has stopped being funny. Like, I mean, it's mainly just because he's been doing really bad kids' movies, which makes some money, and... Can I say we watched the comedians in cars with coffee with Eddie Murphy recently, and I was struck by how much of a tragic figure Eddie Murphy seemed, um, but in a very understandable way. He he even says on like so in in the comedians with cars getting coffee, he's driving around with Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is like, "What's the deal with streetlights or whatever?" And Eddie Murphy is basically like, "I love doing nothing," and he looks it. The way he's like sitting in the car that he's driving around the side of it, he's like, I love doing nothing. I was like, this man is very honest right now. Like what a bold assertion for someone who's a like triple A Hollywood star to make. Like I love doing nothing. And you can tell it's genuine. I think he worked his ass off for 20 years and then was like, what if I could just coast and be with my family and still be a bajillionaire. And I was like, in that moment, I was pro Eddie Murphy. I was like, yeah, man. Like, I, I totally respect that. Like, I don't like that I'm getting the clumps too <laughs> also, but like, 
he looked like somebody who liked being lazy so much that it had kind of destroyed his artistic process. Damn. You could tell that like he had been funny and like the the idea of being funny again was intimidating to him because getting back on that horse was like such a chance. And I just like saw that and it was like it was subtext of subtext of subtext. But I was just like, oh, my God, Eddie Murphy, like. This is this is crazy right now that you feel that I think <laughs> that you're feeling like you can't do it again because you enjoy being lazy so much. Like it was this weird combination of like like Lucullus and uh, I don't know a tragic Greek figure. Um, yeah, I, uh, Eddie Murphy. I mean, it was wild. This is this is. I mean, so this is supposition on top of your supposition. I will also say that sometimes artistic people, I mean, this happens all the time, artistic people, you get um, stuck with that blank white page. You're just like, I don't, I, it's, I'm intimidated by all of my previous work or the idea of oh, what do I have to be? That can get in your head and then you can start just making up excuses for yourself too at times which is a scary thing go like no no actually i uh no i want to coast because you know i i because then i don't have to put myself out there i can just make the money i mean it, it could also be that too it could absolutely be i'd rather not be doing any of this so i just i'll put in the minimal effort like so many people in their jobs and yeah. if you can i'm like i i respect that because sometimes your job is just crappy and why are you doing it and yeah i mean if he's filming the clumps 14 two months a year so that way he can continue living the lazy lifestyle that he wants like that's the dream like he's not hilarious anymore but frankly like i don't know like i've seen raw and like coming to america and like all right fine but like i i, I get it it's not for me the fact more that he's just enjoying life now and being with his family and the people that he love, like I respect that. And honestly, the want to be lazy. Yeah. No. <laughs> so much that I was like, cool, man. Cool. But also a little sad. Also yeah. a little sad. Yeah. I can see that. Like not, not for the artistic process. Like I wasn't like, you know what comedy needs right now? The resurgence of Eddie Murphy. It was more just like in his eyes, yeah. you could just see that he like, he was around Jerry Seinfeld who was still polishing his comedy chops. And I think he almost felt like unsure of himself. Like, yeah, it was strange. It was a strange thing. It was also like a 45 minute episode. I was like, this need an editor here. Cause Eddie Murphy is not telling a lot of jokes. <laughs> a lot of vamping. I've only seen one episode, and I really feel like I should give another episode a shot because it wasn't a comedian; it was President Obama. Oh yeah. And to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a bad episode of television to watch, but it just wasn't that good. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I wouldn't recommend the series. My my wife's a big fan, so it's like, oh, oh, it's something we watch together. But it's not like, I don't think it's must see TV either. Yeah, I just. I think Jerry Seinfeld is an excellent technical comedian. He just doesn't put a lot of heart and soul into it. He's not a philosopher that makes things funny. He just like likes pointing out weird shit, which is great. I mean, he, he comes up with some really great insights. He is just kind of a boring comedian. Of course, I my tastes are... All in question Reverse. at this. Well, I say they're in question at this point since, like, 
I thought the pinnacle of comedy up until a little while back was Louis C.K. And then yeah. it turned out my hero was a sick bastard. Like, not, not I mean, just like a normal person. No, he was a fucking bastard. I mean, that's, you know, uh, my wife's favorite comic of all time was Bill Cosby. Oh. Right? Like, I, I, I think that not like you don't know what's going on in their lives and then once that evidence becomes presented to you then you can go back and say like am i still comfortable with their source material who am i hurting by this are they still profiting from this mm -hmm. but like i i don't know because there are comics that i think are able to come up with something that's truly perverse or truly entertaining that's like somewhat independent of their personality mm -hmm. like who's um oh is it paul thomas anderson <gasps> paul thomas anderson his movies are wackadoodle but his wife is um oh what's her name from like snl and like bridesmaids oh, yeah. and everything um like yeah, he's involved in, like, alt-comedy stuff. Like, he just seems like a chill dude. And then you see, like, the master, and you're like, that Paul Thomas Anderson must just, like, kill a puppy every night before he goes to bed. Um, so I, I think there truly are artists that are able to inhabit dark spaces and not so much have the abyss envelop them. Um, and then I think there are unfortunately artists who have a lot of abyss inside them and it ends up coming out and we're like, haha, isn't the abyss funny? Not knowing that they are pulling everything around them into it. Well, especially we, we think, oh, they're, they're talking about the consequence. Like if I let, we all have that little bit of darkness inside of us. We're like, oh yeah, if I were to let this go, you know, that's what it would be like. And we think, haha, we're all joking because that's a fantasy. And then when you find out, no, that wasn't a fantasy, you were... You're like, oh, that's, oh, you weren't joking. You were just profiting on us thinking that was so horrifying. It was ridiculous. And we connected yeah. to it in some way. And it's to find out like, oh, but you weren't, oh, you weren't actually joking. Oh, that, that's just kind of sickening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and I, you know, that sucks. But like when that moment happens, oh, so for me, it was um, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. I, so I really liked heavy metal when I was a teenager and in my 20s. Not as much now, but I've always loved, always loved Megadeth. And then, um, like, uh, like in the mid-2000s, Megadeth was releasing albums that, like, like, were somewhat questionable in quality. I think that there's, like, some, like, good albums in there and some great songs. But, like, songs would start out with, like, there'd be, like, a jet fighter sound effect. And then, like, a reporter would come on and be like, Area 51 has just been shot out of the sky by uh, a, a missile from someone in Al-Qaeda. And then you'd hear, like, some yo-yo-lating in the background. And then, like, Dave Mustaine would start singing about, like, the enemy's not over there. They're already here or something. And I'd be like, this all feels very strange. Wow. Like... What happened to like the the metal of twenty years ago, which was just like w like why are we at war? Like now you're like this person who's like, yep, like let's bomb them over there so we don't have to bomb. Them. And like it's only gotten worse. Like their 2014 album, I think, it had some crazy cool licks on it, great solos and everything, but the whole album was xenophobic drivel. It was it, it was either the most brilliant piece of parody that I've heard since Weird Al Yankovic's Running with Scissors, or it was just feeding into uh, like uh, proto-fascism for young, angry white youths. And I was like, I was so crushed that one of my idols 
had been so grossly perverted in his worldview that he went from the foundation of heavy metal, which I think comes out of that punk genre of like, you can't trust the government, you can't trust war, to like advocating for violence. Uh, it, it, it It was completely crazy to me. And like every time I end up hearing like anything off Rust in Peace, I'm like, I love this song so much, but the guy who created it is just a total shitbird who fooled me into thinking that like the stuff that he was saying came from a smart place and not from a dumb or evil place. Yeah, betrayal, man. Yeah. It runs deep. Yeah, it sucks. That's that's the real crime that these people have committed, that they hurt us. <laughs> you and me specifically. Uh, I mean, that's what, I mean but that, that just speaks to the power of art. The ability to... You connect with this... This person you don't know. You do not know them. You just, you've made so much of that connection yourself. And they, they do put themselves out there to some extent, but you never know how much. Or if it's just yeah. written by somebody else and they just perform it well. So so I'll even give the listeners a little peek behind the curtain here. So so I met Red, I don't know, when was it? Uh, 15 years ago? 14 years ago? Something, something like that? Something like that. Um, and... Uh, pretty early on into our friendship, I'd shared something that I was embarrassed about uh, uh, with Red in, in, in confidence, seemingly, at the time. And then um, it was something that I'd done or had happened to me that involved another person that we both knew. And I just I, I had to share. We've all had this moment. And I, I, I left the bar because, of course, it was at a bar. And uh, I was like, oh, that was a really nice experience. And then I, I went to school the next day and uh, Red and I both uh like worked and went to school in the same building or whatever and someone came up to me and was like oh man i heard about that situation it's really sorry man and i was like oh my god and then everyone knew like all of our mutual friends i had professors saying things i was just like what happened this secret that was supposed to be clutched inside of this oyster and eventually turned into a pearl for me to then destroy with a mallet in my 40s has now just been like released to the world and the horror quickly passed and I realized how freeing and liberating it was to just like, oh no, like all my dirty laundry is exposed. Everyone sees me for the potential fraud or villain or sociopath that I am. And there were still people around me. So I was like, oh, this was in fact the most liberating thing I've experienced in a super long time. Uh, so yeah, I think that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I, I will say um, I I do that. I still try not to do that, but it turns it's so good though. It's so well, good. This thing is, I don't, I don't like keeping secrets. I don't have. I will tell all of the worst stories about myself to anybody <laughs> at any time, just because they're funny. Like, let me tell you. You want to know what I did last night? This was amazing. Um, so I, I'm at work, and all of a sudden. Two people run to uh, to a window and they're like, "There's there's a medical emergency up in the women's bathroom," so I like just run up there, like push some people out of the way. They're like, "It's in the bathroom," so I'm like, like yelling like male staff. I go in, and the woman's like, "It's in here, it's in here," not realizing that the woman who I'm talking to is actually the person who's complaining. So I run mm-hmm. into this bathroom stall where she's pointing at the toilet filled with poop that's kind of red. She's like, "Am I?" Am I shitting blood? I'm like, did you have beets today? She's like, how how did you know I had beets for lunch? That's that's beets. That's beets. <laughs> that was just last night. 
So, uh, we gotta tell anybody any weird fucking story as long as it's entertaining. Um, yeah. No secrets. But again, that's, I, unfortunately, I don't understand the concept of holding that shit in. So when people tell me something like, oh my god, like this is, now I'm burdened with it, now I have to spread it around. <laughs> like, you just can't, you can't now, do it. Now I'm burdened with it. That is the best <laughs> summation of any relationship I've ever had. Well, now I'm burdened with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I fix it. I just spread it. Everyone's equal. If everyone shares this burden, we're all we can all lift it together. Excuse me, your load is too cumbersome. <laughs> I'm now going to distribute it amongst these casual acquaintances of ours. I hope they're okay about knowing about that thing on your thing. I guess. Well, see, the good thing is, I feel like once people know me for any length of time, they're like, oh, that's what that guy does. So don't share shit with him if you don't want it like a sprinkler. Just spread around (laughs) as far as possible. And the way you have of telling stories is is not to like, oh, this is a delicate matter. I'll use some calming language. You're always just like, where is the joke in this, and how could it involve poop? Fantastic, let me. 100%. Oh, this is this is the high road. I'm not interested in that one. I want the one that goes through the core of the earth first, and then emerges on the other side. Especially if there's a witty pun somewhere in there as well. Yeah, well, I don't know. You just you just settle for pun most of the time. It doesn't need to be witty. Well, my 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 bar for witty is just significantly lower than most people. <laughs> uh, you said you have to get going fairly soon. Uh, this might be a good place to end it for this episode. It yeah, it, it will shock nobody that I have a, a role playing thing that I'm running later today, which I'm jealous about. But. I don't have to be that jealous because he's running a thing that I'm in in just a few days. So yeah, super excited. That's what we do. Um, like how do how do we want to capstone this? What 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 did we really talk about today? We talked a bit about meditation and uh, spiritual experiences, which I still want to come back to this because you can invoke spiritual experiences, and I think you should give it a shot because they are awesome. So. I mean, I've had orgasms before. Is that what we're talking about? No, not quite. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I showed this list to my wife of things that you wanted to talk about. And she was like, and that's one episode? And I was like, it's ambitious. <laughs> no, the other stuff, yeah, it was rambling stuff. And and we never got to I Lost My Keys. Oh, man. Oh, we teased it. It was uh, Chekhov's keys there. <laughs> yeah. and we're just letting everybody down. But honestly, they should... They should get used to that if they're going to be listening to <laughs> this really with any regularity. Like the like the disappointment I had for a day and a half for not finding my keys, and then they were found in the middle of the kitchen table with a <laughs> napkin on top of them. We were we were sitting down to eat, and we had ripped this place apart looking for it. And then literally, like we're, we're and and we gave it a day. We ripped a place apart again, and then we're sitting at the table. And Amanda goes to pick my wife. I will have to edit that. Picks up the napkin, and it's like a magician's flourish. And we're like, "What the fuck?" There they were in the middle of the table the whole time. I, I love the idea of the two of you tearing apart your house, and then like someone at one point seeing the napkin on the table and being like, "No." And then just like turning away. Well, I'm like, we're picking stuff up. We're like, yeah, it's just a little piece of cloth. How? What could it possibly be hiding? Yep, yep. for for uh, like thirty six hours. 
the keys. Um, so just just uh, remember, some uh, we all make mistakes. Sometimes the keys are right in front of you. On, under the napkin the whole under time. Under the napkin yeah. the whole time. Um, okay, so let, let's end this in the same way we did last time. So this, what, what's this podcast called? Join my cult. Oh yeah, we need okay. you you to vote on on a scale of one to ten. How how likely are you to come join this movement? Um, seeing as how we basically didn't talk <laughs> about the movement at all, nope. and we barely talked about um, spirituality, we did we did touch on a very important point, which is I think the feeling that I experienced in church is has been a rare maybe even unique experience for me now it wasn't the intended experience Mm -hmm. but it was still something that i did experience and getting as i get older and older i find that finding something that is unique and is is more appealing to me i'm bored easily like if i have a pulled pork sandwich from a restaurant it is likely to be bad because i have had a better pulled pork sandwich somewhere else north carolina um so yeah, the the idea of getting something that is unobtainable anywhere else is appealing to me. So I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure where I ranked. Like I think I gave this like a three last yes. time. Um, I'm gonna bump it up a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm at like I'm gonna have it a four. I'm at a four of my interest level because the idea of getting something that is a unique experience that may be tangentially related to spirituality is a strong pull. Cool. Uh, that is something I do want to explore. Uh, ex- explore. I want to explore it further mm-hmm. into further. Mm-hmm. I did mention North, North Carolina, so maybe you just thought you're going to slur all your words there too. There we go. And I think we'll leave it. Actually, we'll leave it at the the first thing you told me when I landed in North Carolina to visit you. Hey, did you know the age of consent here is thirteen? <laughs> and thanks for listening, everybody. And good night. I meant stop. <laughs> this episode was recorded by me, uh, Red Stone Art Gender, uh, at an undisclosed location. Because, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I did all, all the stuff. Yep.